Greetings, everyone, in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm coming to you today speaking about a topic titled, Don't Die in Your Why. Don't Die in Your Why. I'm going to start off with Job chapter 3, verses 11 through 12 and verse 16. The Bible says, Why wasn't I born dead? Why didn't I die as I came from the womb? Why was I laid on my mother's lap? Why did she nurse me at her breasts? Why wasn't I buried like a stillborn child, like a baby who never lives to see the light? The Bible describes Job in chapter 1 and verse 1 saying, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. The word eschewed literally means to be head. In other words, Job had no part in or cut off the head of evil practices in his life. The other major descriptor that stands out to most of us in this verse is the word perfect. Now we know that no man is actually perfect, but this word actually just means undefiled or pure. We know not one man on this earth is righteous except through Jesus Christ. But if you were to ask me, in fact, if you were to put me in the position of God in this story, as a man, I would have spared Job from boils. I would have spared him from death and loss. If you were to ask me and ask my opinion of Job according to what we just read, I would tell you that Job was a man who did not deserve to suffer. Looking at the text, Job asks this three-letter word over and over again. That is, why? Why wasn't I born dead? Why didn't I die as I came from the womb? Why was I laid on my mother's lap? Why did she nurse me at her breasts? And why wasn't I buried like a stillborn child, like a baby who never lives to see the light? It is interesting how the human response to suffering is typically this three-letter question, why? Why did you allow my family member to die, God? Why did you allow this sickness or this infirmity into my life? Why did you allow this person to hurt me the way that they did? Why? Back in 2017, I attended UPCI Louisiana camp. The last night, Pastor Aaron Bounds from Ohio was preaching about Noah. And he was preaching also about Jonah. And that night I got on my knees and I said, God, send somebody to me that I can be a witness to, that I can help get on this boat and escape the terror, the sin, the debauchery, the suffering of this life and save their soul. And as I went home the next day, I was flying back by myself and I got on that plane and I'd completely forgotten about what I had prayed. But as I stepped on the plane, the Lord brought the prayer back to my memory. And so I was prepared. I knew God was about to send somebody to me that I could be a witness to. And as I sat down in my seat, a lady came and sat next to me. She was a woman about my height, skinny. She looked almost of um, Jewish descent as if she was from Israel. But her name was Monica Alexa. And I started to talk to Monica. I didn't speak to her about the Bible. She simply asked me what I was doing in Louisiana. 
I said, oh, I'm here for a church conference. I said, why are you here, Monica? And she kind of put her head down, was almost ashamed or embarrassed. And she said, I'm actually here because my friend owns a house here and I'm just wanting to get away. I've been having a difficult time with life lately and I just needed a break. And so she started to take me through what she did each day. And she said, did you say that you came for a church conference? I said, yes. She said, it's funny that you mentioned that because this week was the first week I have ever opened the Bible and read the Bible. She said, it's interesting that you mentioned you were here for a church conference because I have been reading through the book of Genesis. And so I knew this was the door God was presenting before me to be a witness to this woman, Monica. And so I began to speak with her and I began to talk with her about the scriptures. And she said, you know, I opened the Bible on day four, but by the time I got to day six, I stopped at Genesis 17. And I said, what? Why would you, why, why did you stop? And she said, because I couldn't understand why, that three-letter word again, why a man would willingly give up his daughters to be raped. And what she's referencing, if you don't know, is Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm not even sure off the top of my head if that is the right chapter for that encounter, but that is what she said. I knew what she was talking about. It's in the general vicinity of that chapter. Maybe it is that chapter. And she was speaking of Lot and how Lot was willingly giving his daughters up to be raped by these debaucherous, perverted men and homosexual men in this, uh, in this city of Sodom and Gomorrah. She said, I couldn't understand why God would allow something so evil to happen. So I just stopped reading and I put the book away. And I looked back at her with all honesty and I said, Monica, I can answer you. She said, what? I, and I told her, I said three words. I said, I don't know. And maybe that was wrong, but maybe that was good. Maybe that was right. And I led her through the, all the scriptures as much as I could. And I said, I don't know. All I know is Adam and Eve sinned and sin entered into the world. Evil has contaminated humans in their minds and their hearts. I don't know why Lot would have done such a thing. I don't know why God would have allowed such a thing. But here's what I do know, Monica, is despite the sin, there was a man named Jesus who came and died for that sin. And so I took her through the, through the gospel, through the plan of salvation that is so plainly and so beautifully written in the scriptures about being uh, baptized in Jesus' name, repenting of her sins, and being baptized for the remission of her sins and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. And as I started to speak these things to her, you could feel a physical presence walk into that plane. You could feel a heat. It's like the temperature just went up 20 degrees in the matter of just a second. And you could feel the Holy Spirit enveloping Monica and I in that plane. And tears began to come down her face. She felt the Holy Ghost. And I said, Monica, can I pray for you? And she said, yes. And so I grabbed her hand and in that plane, I didn't care who was listening. I didn't care who uh, thought we were weird or whatever. I knew that this was an assignment from God Almighty. And so I grabbed her hand and I started to pray for her and speak in tongues and pray over her life. I got her connected with a UPC church in, in the city she lives in in Ohio. 
I don't know if she ever got baptized. I don't know if she ever got filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues according to the scripture. I don't know if she ever truly changed her life, but I do know one thing. And that is, if you stop at your why, if you die at your why, you will miss out on the double portion. I said, Monica, you can't stop at Genesis 17. You can't stop because there are 65 more books of this beautiful Bible. And if you will just get to the end of the story, you will realize that Jesus Christ triumphs over all sin, all death, all suffering. There will be no more tears. There will be no rape. There will be no sexual perversion. There will be no injustice. Monica, don't stop. And so I'm telling all of your, my listeners today, please do not stop at your why. Do not stop and die at your why, because if you die at your why, you will miss out on the double portion that God has for you. I will also share a story with you. My papa, my mom's dad, he died in 2020, just a couple of years ago during the pandemic. And it hit me terribly hard because I loved him so much. And he was, he was a man of God. He left the house of God. He left the will of God. I don't know where he is to this day, to be honest with you. Um, post this life, I don't, I don't know if he's in heaven or if he's in hell. I don't know. But I loved that man. He was my papa. And I remember... A year later, I was in a Kroger parking lot in Westfield, Indiana, just in my Chevy, blue Chevy Cruze all alone, and I just started to cry. I cried, and I said this to God. I said, why? Why did you have to take him from me? Why did you have to? And I even said these words. I said, why did you kill him? And I knew deep down that God did not kill my papa, but those were the things and the feelings I was experiencing. I was allowing my why to paralyze me in something I could not understand and therefore distort my view of the Lord. But I want to remind you of the book of Habakkuk because the Lord spoke this to me in that Chevy Cruise that night. He spoke to me and reminded me of Habakkuk and how Habakkuk was feeling in that, in that season of his life, in that season, that time period of, in history. Chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. It's the closing verses of the book of Habakkuk. Some of the closing verses. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice. In the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hind's feet, and he will make me to walk upon mine hind places, to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. This is a powerful, powerful passage of scripture. In a time, Habakkuk is in a place where he is seeing the people of God suffer. He's seeing them so far removed from the will of God and under the oppression of, of, of sin and under the oppression of their own poor choices. But in the midst of that barrenness of, that, of those people, amidst the barrenness of the people of God, Habakkuk stands and says, although these olive 
uh, although these vines and the olives and all of that fails, even though there are no fields that yield any meat, even though the very flock is cut off from the fold, even though there is no herd in the stalls, and if I could put it in our terms, even if there is nobody left, even if I have been trashed and my reputation has been trashed, even if my family has died, even if I have been forsaken by my very mother and father, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. But then he says this, he will make my feet like hind's feet. If you don't know what a hind is, it is a female deer that can place her back feet exactly where her front feet stepped. She is not one inch off. She is able to run with absolute abandonment. And in times of danger, she is able to run securely and not get off track. The hind is able to scale unusually difficult terrain and elude predators. So I tell you this, my first point is this, don't die in your why. But I have a second point for you today. Don't let your why get in the way of your worship. Worship isn't in essence raising your hands or running the aisles or shouting hallelujah. Those things are byproducts of our desire to worship him. In essence, worship is really a lifestyle and you will miss out on the blessings of God in your life if all you give yourself and all you worship is what went wrong. You will miss out on the blessings of God if you just keep asking that three-letter word and you let it consume you. Nothing wrong with asking why. But if you sit there and let your why consume you, if you sit there and let, uh, let your why take away your worship, the whys of life, then you will miss out on the blessings of God. There is nothing wrong with asking why. But when you let it steal your worship, it has become an idol. It has become a problem. Hind's feet are the feet of a worshiper who does not give up, who does not let the woes of life steal their rejoicing in their praise. The feet of a worshiper are prepared in the toughest of terrain like Hind is. They are perfected in the storms of life. I was reading a book a few years ago. A uh, woman from our church, Sister Becky, used to help me read, and we chose a book titled How We Got the Bible by Neil R. Lightfoot. It's a wonderful book, and it tells us how we how the Bible physically came to be and the different writing tools that the apostles must have used and the writers and prophets and must have used and Moses must have used and the materials and the paper and all of that. And one of those materials is papyrus. Some say papyrus, and there's all kinds of debates on how you pronounce it. But papyrus is one of those materials, and. I started to look at scriptures that mention the word papyrus, and they were listed in sequence in the book. One of those being Job chapter 8, verses 11 through 13. It says, can papyrus reeds grow tall without a marsh? Can marsh grass flourish without water? While they are still flowering, not ready to be cut, they begin to wither more quickly than grass. The same happens to all who forget God. The hopes of the godless evaporate. Now, remember, we're, we're talking about Job here. We're talking about a man whose flock and cattle and, 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 and children and, and house and living all have been destroyed. And there's this question, can papyrus reeds grow tall without a marsh? What's a marsh? A marsh is a swamp 
can 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 swamp grass can the can the grass that grows in a swamp can that flourish without water so so papyrus reeds cannot grow without a swamp and a swamp and the grass from the swamp can't flourish without water now there would be and if i'm remembering correctly it's been a while since i've read the book but this water would come through a certain river and that water is what fueled the very papyrus in that swampy culture now as i was studying this god brought to my attention second corinthians 3 1 through 3 where paul says you are an epistle read of all men and so it started to hit me what god was telling me and, and god was literally i could see it in a vision god was showing me is that if papyrus is the material that is made to form the very epistles of the scriptures and if papyrus only grows in a swamp it made me realize and made me think it made me ask it made me go oh there's nothing pretty about a swamp there's nothing beautiful about a swamp might i even say there's nothing attractive about a swamp if you have seen a swamp it is green it is dirty it is gross it is not something you play in it's disgusting but out of that disgusting out of that gross place is the very material that was needed to make an epistle and so what god spoke to me he said nick don't despise the marsh don't despise the gross places in your life i feel the spirit right now don't despise the places in your life that look unattractive that you have experienced suffering that you have had injustice and betrayal and hurt happen to you you may not understand why but it is out of that very environment in which i grow the most beautiful stories of your life because nick you are an epistle that will be read of all men what what does that scripture come from it comes from chapter 3 of second corinthians where where paul where they say this are we beginning to praise ourselves again are we like others who need to bring you letters of recommendation or who ask you to write such letters on their behalf so what they're saying is, 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 are we praising ourselves and do we need these letters of recommendation to really be able to trust you and to be able to really to see if you're of God? And so this, the scripture says, no, surely not. The only letter of recommendation that we need in the scripture literally says this is you yourselves. Your lives are a letter written in our hearts. Everyone can read your lives and recognize your lives and your good work. Clearly, you're a letter from Christ showing the result of our ministry among you. This letter, quote unquote, is written not with a pen. It's not written with ink, Paul says, but it is written with the spirit of the living God. It is carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. So it is the same with every one of God's children. When you face suffering, when you face terrible things, injustice, God says, that is the very thing that I use to bring about my most glorious work. So don't despise the swamp because out of the very marsh, out of the very gross swamp is the very environment that papyrus thrives. And that material is a very material that is that forms into an epistle and not just, not just swamp, but but another scripture that says when the enemy comes in like a flood and it wasn't just it wasn't just water that fueled that environment where the papyrus grew 
it was a flood. It was a rushing flood that came. And so even when the enemy comes in, like a flood, sometimes it's life, but when the enemy comes in, like a flood, don't despise those times and think, oh, I'm doing something wrong. Perhaps God has allowed this, like God allowed this to happen to Job, the enemy to afflict Job. It was to only set God up for glory. Amen. Going back to Habakkuk, in a time when Judah was a moral and spiritual decline, where they had strayed away from God, where they had turned to serve false gods, Habakkuk decided to rejoice. In fact, it was Habakkuk who uttered that three-letter word in the first chapter, actually, of the same book. You know what he said? He said, why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance for spoiling and violence are before me? And there are that right raise up strife and contention. The NLT says it like this. Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, Habakkuk said, I, seek I see destruction and I see violence. He even said, I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. Isn't that true sometimes of us? But I've come to tell you today, you've got to release the bitterness. I could have asked God why. I could have asked him why when I was staying in, when I was sitting in that Chevy Cruze in the Kroger parking lot. Monica could have asked him why and stayed in Genesis 17. But there are plenty of people who faced injustices throughout the Bible. You don't think Hagar felt rejected when Abraham let her go? But the Bible says that while she was by the rocks, the Lord saw her tears and said, I am the God that sees. You don't think Jesus felt rejected when Judas stabbed him in the back? But Jesus knew that the assignment of the cross, oh God, I feel the spirit. But Jesus knew that the assignment of the cross was more important than having closure. Jesus didn't get bitter. He allowed that betrayal to send him to the cross where he said, Father, oh Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. You don't find healing when you don't hurt anymore, brother. Sister, you find healing when you realize it wasn't personal. Someone hurt you that way because someone hurt them that way. Does it make the injustice right? No, but it sets you free from being bitter. It sets you free from dying in your why. I want to let you know that when I was nine years old, I was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and I had re I have received the gift of the Holy Ghost when I was nine years old. But one month after that, I was molested on three occasions that year, just a short month after. Now that I'm 24 years old and married, there are times where I look back, and if I'm not careful, I will ask God, why? Why did you let that happen to me? Why did you let that man do that to me? But I can't stay there because I know if I do, I will miss out on where God was in that moment, what God was doing in that moment, and how he can turn it around for good. I pray this blesses you. Don't die in your why.